0: Welcome to New Community Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to hear today's message. We are encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to touch lives. If you have a story to share or a prayer request for our prayer team, please email us at connect at newcommunity.co. Now, please prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Well, good morning, church. If you're new here and I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Aaron and I am the lead pastor here at NCC. And we are so excited that you're here with us this morning. This is the fifth week of our villain series we've been having a lot of fun in this series and every week we're looking um, into the Bible we're looking at scriptures not to the heroes of the faith but to the villains in the Bible and as we look at their story who were the bad guys in the Bible we're kind of examining our own lives and seeing hey what are actions and attitudes that we need to stay away from what is it that made them the villain in the Bible and then, what do we want to avoid so that we don't become the villain in our own story And so we've talked um, about a number of people. We started with the devil and then talked about Pharaoh. Um, Pastor Spencer did a great job last week talking about Haman and um, how he allowed pride to cause destruction in his life. And so this week, um, we want to look at another villain in the Old Testament, the first king of Israel named Saul. So we're going to examine his life. And in Saul, we want to look at some of the insecurities. As he was king, as he was up in front of everyone, as the spotlight was on him, What was exposed in his life? What was it that made him the villain in the story? What was it that everyone could see inside of him? Whenever I was in ninth grade, um, I mentioned before, I've run cross country and track. I did that whenever I was in high school. But in the winter season, I really didn't have a sport to do. And a few of my friends were doing swim team. So I decided, hey, I'm going to try out for swim team. Now, I could swim okay, but I wasn't like really good at it. I wasn't, um, you know, didn't have the form down or any of that. But I kept on trying, and halfway through the season, I got pretty good, and the coach came up to me, and he said, hey, you can start to swim at the meets. So I was super pumped. It was the first meet I was going to swim at, but my parents couldn't be there. And so I'd asked one of my friend's moms, hey, can you videotape the swim meet? I want my parents to be able to see this. I was super pumped, and so I was ready. The day of the meet, our coach came in and said, hey, today no one can swim unless you have a Speedo on, okay? That was super embarrassing. And all of a sudden, I realized I didn't have that, okay? I'd left mine at home, but I wanted to swim. I didn't want to miss this meet. And so I'd lean over to my friend and i say, hey, can I borrow yours? Okay, it was clean. He had an extra one, Okay. So it was all clean, and so, yeah, he gave that to me. I get up on the starting box, blocks, I'm super pumped, I look over, I can see my friend's mom, she's got the video camera, I'm waving to my parents, okay, I'm going to show this to him, and I'm so excited, and I get up on the blocks, and I hear the timer start to go off, doot, 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 and I take off. You guys, in that moment, I felt like Michael Phelps, Okay. I was an Olympic swimmer. I knew that I was ready for this moment. This was it. And I dive into the water. It felt like the perfect dive. And as my body enters the water right about my waist, I notice something starts to happen. I realized that my friend was a different size than I was. And the Speedo that was around my waist is now around my knees. But I'm in the middle of a swim meet, and I don't want to stop, right? So I'm trying to perfect this stroke of pulling... Every time I take a stroke, I'm pulling this up, okay? And I I finally get them back around my waist, and I just keep swimming. Um, I didn't do too bad. I ended second in the race. But when I saw the video, you just saw this little brown butt keep on coming up out of the water. I thought I was so excited for my parents to see that, but I begged my friend's mom, please destroy that video. Do not let anyone ever see that, um, because it was extremely embarrassing, And it's like that many times in our life. That's what happens in Saul's life, is he thinks he wants to be in the spotlight. He thinks he wants to be in the place. The king, that's a pretty prestigious place. He thinks he wants to be seen by people and have that influence. But really, there are some things that are exposed in his life when he's placed in that place of honor. And that happens in our life whenever we're raised to any position, whatever it is, whenever we have influence in any relationship, there are things that are exposed in our life many times that we don't want other people to see, that we want to hide from other people. And in Saul's life, it was his insecurities. It was insecurities in his life that made him out to be the villain in his story. And so I want us to look at this story and I want us to look at what the insecurities were there in Saul's life and how We avoid those in our own life. So if you have your Bible, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 15. If you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible in the seat in front of you. And if you would grab that Bible, it's on page 153 in the Bible um, in the seat in front of you there. And we're going to look at this story. This is, as I mentioned, King Saul. He's the first king um, in the nation of Israel as God has brought his people out of Egypt and established them in this country. Saul is the first one to be placed in leadership there as king. And so this is what it says Saul um, begins to rise the power he starts to like that position and there's some things that begin to be seen in his heart and so this is what happens in 1 Samuel chapter 15 we're going to start reading at verse 1. And Samuel who was a prophet said to Saul the Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people Israel. Now therefore listen to the words of the Lord thus says the Lord of hosts I have noted what Amalek did to Israel. In opposing them on their way out of Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction all that they have. Do not spare any of them, but kill both man, woman, child, infant, ox, sheep, camel, and donkey. And so God's given Saul instruction hey, I've anointed you as king. Now I want you to go to this other people and I want you to wipe them out because of the sin that they've committed against me and against my people. And so Saul goes, he heads out. And he fights that. And as he's coming back, this is what um, Samuel says. Samuel approaches approaches him as he's coming back from war in verse 17. And this is what it says. And Samuel said to Saul, though you are little in your own eyes. Saul, I know what you think about yourself. I know your insecurities. How you are not the head of the tribes of Israel. The Lord anointed you king over Israel. And the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go devote to destruction the sinner's the Amalekites and fight against them until they are consumed. Why did, you did, why did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you not pounce on the spoil and do what is evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I've gone on the mission which the Lord sent me. I've brought Agai, the king of, the, of Amalek, and I've devoted the Amalekites to destruction. But the people took of the spoils, sheep, oxen, the best of the things devote to destruction, to sacrifice To the Lord your God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Has the Lord any delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams. What's going on here in the life of Saul? What's being exposed right here in his heart? What is it that everyone can see um, around him? God has spoken very clearly to the king, Saul. He's anointed him. He's given him a position. And he said, hey, I want you to go out and fight against the enemies of the Israelites, the enemies of your people. And I want you to devote everything to destruction. I want you to wipe them out. And so Saul goes, he fights in the battle. He brings some people with him. God places his hand on Saul and gives him favor. He gives him victory over the enemies there. But Saul doesn't listen to the voice of God. He takes the very best things. He takes the kings and some of the nobles, some of the prettiest women, some of the best sheep and oxen and cattle, all of these things, and he brings them back. And when Samuel confronts him, Saul, what's going on? Why do I hear this livestock? Why do I hear cattle? What is this that you've brought back? He said, hey, I'm doing it to worship God. I'm doing this as an act of worship towards God. But when you read this passage, was worship really what was in Saul's life? No, we see something else. On the way back, Saul does something. He goes up to Mount Carmel. He goes up to this tall mountain, and the word of God says that he builds a statue or a monument to himself. He builds a statue or a monument to himself. He's looking at Samuel saying, hey, the intent of my heart is really worship. But when you look at his actions, something else is going on. He wants a monument there. So that every time someone passes by that mountain, they look up and they say, oh yeah, King Saul won that victory. Oh yeah, look what Saul did. Look at what Saul was able to accomplish. Look what he did for the people of God. It's Saul that did that and was able to do that. And so he builds a monument. He doesn't build an altar. He doesn't sacrifice the animals. He doesn't do any of what he says he wants to do. He builds something for himself so that everyone around him will see what he's done. Saul has a savior complex. He wants to be the hero in the story. He wants to be the one that receives the applause. He wants to be the one that everyone praises and worships. He wants to be the one that's seen by everyone around him. Samuel says, Saul, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're disobeying the voice of God. He said, you know what? We've taken these very best things. We've brought them apart. We want to offer them in worship to God. You know what, God? Really wasn't thinking here. Saul's talking to Samuel. God made a mistake. God messed up. We don't want to kill the very best things. We want to take them and offer them in worship to God. God really kind of messed up on this part. But it's okay, Samuel. I, as the king, I'm going to help God out. I'm going to do it the right way. And Saul, in his heart, thinks, you know what? I can fix this. I can do what I want to do. You know what? God didn't really have the best plan. I have the best plan. And so I'm going to do it my way. Saul has this savior complex that he's the one who's going to figure it out. He's the one who's going to take care of it and make everything okay. He wants to be the one that everyone looks at and applauds. Everyone worships. Everyone celebrates. We can do that in our own life. Whenever we take on that savior complex, whenever we think we know the way better than God does, whenever we try to become the hero in the story, we actually become the villain in the story. Because villains Have that savior complex in their life. Sometimes it looks good on the outside. It looks like worship on the outside. We think we're sacrificing for God. We think we're doing something. But really we're disobeying the voice of God. We're trying to do it our own way. Instead of letting God lead. Instead of letting God direct our steps. We're doing it for ourselves. Out of our own insecurities. Whenever Sarah and I were first married. We were first starting off. We lived here in Texas we lived in Waxahachie in this small apartment and just as newlyweds we didn't have a whole lot of money and one of Sarah's sisters was um, struggling at that time she was going through a lot and she had a young daughter and there were times where Ashton this young girl she would come and stay with us we try to help out and so we would do that from time to time at first it was just usually a few days but sometimes it was weeks on end And that got to be pretty expensive. We were paying for daycare at times and diapers and food and all of this stuff. And I remember at one point I was on the phone with my dad. And I was kind of venting to my dad. I was saying, man, this is so hard. We're trying to do everything that we can. Like, we've got to do something. But it's just so expensive, dad. Like, finances are tight. We're getting stressed out. Man, it's just a big burden. And my dad kind of stops me in the middle of it and says, Aaron, who's Ashton's savior? I said, Jesus is. He says it again, Aaron, who's Ashton's savior? I said, Jesus is. And he said, that's right. That means you're not. And he said, have you ever stopped to even ask if this is what God wants you to do at this season of your life? And I wanted to argue, I wanted to say, but it it doesn't matter. I have to do something. But he was reminding me, Aaron, are you doing this because God has told you to do this? Or are you doing this because of you? Are you doing this because you want to step in? You want to be the hero in the story? You want to somehow come in and rescue Ashton out of this situation because it makes you feel better. You feel needed. You feel valuable. You feel worthy in that situation. That's what Saul wanted to do. He wanted to step in and be the hero so that he felt worth, so that he felt valuable. In church, so many times we think we're sacrificing things and we need to stop and ask God the question, wait, am I even... Being obedient, am I doing this because I love other people or am I doing it for myself? Do I somehow need to be validated? Do I somehow need to feel worthy? It's because of my own insecurities that I need other people to need me. I need other people to see what I'm doing. Look at what I'm doing. Look at what I'm accomplishing. Do you know how hard this is? Look at what I'm sacrificing instead of stop and asking God, is this even what you want for me? Church, God's not looking for your sacrifice. He's not looking for how rough your life is or how much you'll give up. He wants to know, will you be obedient? Do you need to step in and be the savior or will you allow him to be the Lord of your life? Church, we have to stop and ask God, is this even what you want for me right now? Is this what you've told me to do or am I doing this for myself Am I no longer doing this because I love you? Am I no longer doing this because I love other people, God? I'm doing it for myself so that I feel needed, so that I feel worthy. When we do that, we become the villain in our story. We have a savior complex, and we need it for ourselves, not because we love God, not because we worship God, but we're doing it for our own benefit. And when we do that, we become the villain. See, in this story, what Saul does sparing these things, saying, hey, I'm going to take them, I'm going to sacrifice them to God. He jeopardizes the whole Israelite people. Because this is where last week's story starts. Do you remember the Amalekites that Pastor Spencer talked about? It's right here. God said to wipe them out. And Saul disobeyed. Saul said, I've got the plan, God. I know what I'm doing. And generations and generations later, Haman arises. And he plots up a plan to wipe out the entire Israelites because of Saul's disobedience you may think your plan is better but it may lead to the destruction of others if you have a savior complex you will become the villain in your story you'll become the villain in your story that's what Saul does that's what takes place in Saul's life so if you're sitting here this morning and if you're saying things like man why don't people see how much I'm giving up why don't people see how hard it is in my life Man, why don't they take notice what I'm really doing to help others? Man, they're not really seeing that. You have a savior complex. You need to stop and ask God, God, what are you asking me to do? If you're sitting here saying, you know what, God, I don't know if your plan's working out. I don't know if it's taking place like I think it should. God, I need to step in and help you out. God, I need to take this on myself. I need to do it my way. God, I need to help you out in this story. If you're saying that, you have a savior's complex. You've become the villain in your story, and you need to stop and say, God, talk to me again, Lord. How do I give my heart back over to you? How do I stop from becoming the villain in the story? See these insecurities in Saul's life that make him need other people, that make him feel that value and that worth, it feeds into other parts of his life. If you still have your Bible, turn over to 1 Samuel chapter 18. It's just a few pages over from 1 Samuel chapter 15. 1 Samuel chapter 18. God has taken the kingdom away from Saul. And he's raised up another. He's anointed a young shepherd boy named David. David goes out on the battlefield and he slays another villain, a giant named Goliath, with just a slingshot and a stone. And as God is, God's hand is on David, he begins to fight in Saul's army. God begins to raise him up. God's favor in hand is now on David because of Saul's disobedience. And in, 1 Samuel chapter 18, we see more of Saul's insecurities. And this is what it says. As they were coming home, this is King Saul and David. When David returned from striking down the Philistines, the women came out from all of the city singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with songs of joy and with musical instruments. And the women sang to one another as they celebrated. Saul has struck down his thousands and David his tens of thousands. And in verse 8 here of chapter 18, And Saul was very angry, and this saying displeased him. He said, They have ascribed to David 10,000, and to me they ascribed thousands. What more can he have but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day on. If you continue to read that passage, there's numerous times after this that Saul picks up a spear, and he tries to kill David because of a song that was sung. What's going on here? It's the insecurities In his life. Saul begins to play the comparison game. Wait what are they saying about David? What are they saying about me? They're they're bragging on David more than they are me. Now I don't know about you. I've never fought in the the army or any of that. But killing a thousand people. I mean that seems pretty impressive right? And not just one thousand but thousands. Saul has slain his thousands. This is a lot of people. And David is tens of thousands. But Saul can't hear anything. Except that David did more than he did. He's playing the comparison game. He's comparing someone else to what he's done. And he can't stand the fact that they're saying David did more than he did. A matter of fact, he's so angry about it, he's willing to kill David. It's that insecurity in his life. We become the villain in our story when we play the comparison game. When it's all about, wait, are you doing more than I'm doing? What are you doing? What am I doing? And I have to be the center of attention in every part of my life I have to interject myself into everything and let everyone know what I'm doing that's what Saul was doing wait David's done more than me why aren't they singing that about me and he compares himself to others there's a comedian named Brian Regan I don't know do we have any Brian Regan fans okay a few of you guys have heard him okay pretty funny guy and during one of the kind of skits that he does or one of the stand-up things he talks about being at a dinner party And he says, I hate being at the dinner party because I always get next to the me monster. Okay, I don't know if you've ever been next to the me monster. He's like, it's that guy that no matter what you say, he has to one up you. Right. And so you're like, hey, I got a raise at work. And he's like, well, well, I'm the youngest VP, man. I make the most of my company. I'm I'm the best salesman that any of them have me, me, me. Everybody look at me, look at me, look at what I'm doing. And he's the me monster. He has to be the center of attention. Someone says, oh, we're going on a family vacation. We're going to go to the Grand Canyon. Oh, I'm going to Disney World. I'm flying my family there. And we're taking our friends. And we're going to have dinner with Mickey Mouse. Me, 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 right? Everything's about me. And sometimes when there are those insecurities in our life, we can't stand anyone else having any amount of attention that we think we should have. We have to once again be validated. We have to feel worth. And we take that from what people are saying or what we want to say about ourselves. We interject ourselves into every part of the conversation. You guys, we all do this. And when we do it, when we play the comparison game, we become the villain in the story. How do we do it? We got to see how many likes we have on Facebook, on Instagram. Wait, I just served on Friday. Did people like my picture of serving more than someone else's picture? Wait, did they comment on what I'm doing, on on me being out where I ate dinner at? We need to be validated by other people, by what they say about us. We're taking our worth from others instead of what it is that God has said. And you guys, our insecurities, it feeds the need for me. Our insecurities feeds the need for me. I have to be the center of attention. I have to be the focus at every point. I have to be the one that everyone's looking at. I need them to say great things about me. We're listening to their voice instead of our heavenly father who said, you're my son. You're my daughter. You have worth. Your value comes from what I say about you, from who I think you are from my purpose and my plan for you. That's where it comes from, not from all these other voices around you, not from people singing, Saul, not from what others are saying, not what you get on social media. Your value and your worth comes from me. And church, when you take that from anywhere else, it's because of your insecurities and you will become the villain in your story if you play the comparison game. See, it will no longer be good enough just to get those words. We'll have to start to cut others down. Because we think that, you know what, if they see their faults, if we can show other people their failures, then maybe they won't notice where we're hurting. Maybe they, don't, they won't notice where we're messing up and our mistakes. And so we begin to belittle others. We begin to gossip about others. We begin to say hurtful things of others. Once again, so that we look better. Because we need to feel valuable. Church, we'll be like Saul. We'll become the villain in the story. We'll think it's about worship when really it's about being noticed. We'll think it's about being praised when really it's about our insecurities and everyone just seeing me all the time. And we need to have that relationship with God because that's where we hear his voice. That's where we learn to walk in obedience to what it is that he said in our life, to his instructions, to his directions over our life. It's when we have that relationship with him. When we have that relationship with him, we're not listening to all the other voices around us that want to point us in all these directions or want to give us false praise. But our voice and our ears are open to him and what he says about us. And that's what keeps us from being the villain in our story. Church, where's your heart this morning? Are you serving because you love God? Are you serving and doing things because you love others? Or has it just become about you? What others are saying, is that where you're drawing your worth from? Or are you listening to your heavenly father and what he's speaking over your life? And I want to pray for you this morning. I'm going to ask if you would bow your head and close your eyes this morning. And I just want to start by asking if there's Anyone here and in what I've said, maybe you're thinking, Aaron, I don't have that relationship that you're talking about. I don't hear God's voice. I don't hear what he says over me because I'm separated from God. I'm far away from him. And if that's you this morning, God's here and he's inviting you into a relationship with him. And in a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand up from where you're sitting and to come forward. And I want to pray with you. The Bible's very clear that we've all sinned, we've all messed up, we've all made mistakes, we've all walked away from our relationship with God. And there's nothing that we could do about it. We're broken on our own, we're insecure people on our own. But Jesus has already paid the price. He went to the cross and he gave his life for you and for me so that we could have a right relationship with God. So that our relationship with him could be restored, our sins forgiven, and we could have a brand new life in him. Our identity could be found in God instead of in other places. And if that's you, is there anyone in this room this morning as I've been talking, God's been stirring on your heart. You know that you need to once again start a relationship with God. Maybe you've walked away. Maybe you've never had one. If that's you right now, right where you're at, would you stand up? Would you come forward to the altar? I want to pray for you. Anyone at all, don't miss this opportunity. We're going to take just a few more moments. If God is speaking to you, don't resist his voice. Respond this morning. He loves you. He wants to give you a fresh start. Well, if there's no one in that situation, then I want to pray for all of us as a church. And I'm going to kind of lead us in prayer, but I want you, in your own words, to pray and ask God to help you to not be the villain in your story, to not allow insecurities to lead your life, but that you would follow God's direction, you would listen to his voice and your identity would be found in him. Let's pray together, church. Lord, we come before you this morning and we see the example in the life of Saul, Lord. We see what it is that he's going through, what's taking place in his life, Lord. And this morning we ask, help us not to be like him. Help us not to be the villain in in our story, God, where we allow insecurities to rule our life, Lord. Where we have to step in, God, we have to be the savior and the hero in the story and we actually become the villain. Lord, where we take our identity from other things instead of allowing it to be found in you, Lord. Help us as a church, God to serve because we love you, because we love others, because it's what you've called us to do. Help us, God, to be secure in who we are because of what you've said. God, let your voice be the most important voice in our life, Lord. Let us be the example that you've called us to be. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.